Today is January 10th, 2024, and this is Read Through the New Testament. Welcome, everybody. Hi, everyone. And uh, today we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, and we're going to begin a new book, Galatians. We'll talk about Galatians when we get there, uh, but right now we're in the middle of Luke chapter 1. Yesterday we read the story about how Zechariah saw the vision of the angel, was told that he was going to, his wife is of old age, going to have a son. Who's yep. basically going to be the forerunner, prepare the way for the Messiah to come. Who would be John the Baptist. Yep. And now we're reading about Jesus and his birth foretold, and then uh, Mary's response in the Magnificat. We'll explain when we get there why it's called that name. Okay, here we go. Chapter 1, verse 26. Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I love these two, right? Two miracle babies. Yeah. Right. A miracle baby from a virgin and a miracle baby from an old woman. Yes, very unlikely mothers. Unlikely mothers. Um, that's why verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God because these are two impossible births. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking up verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, that is John the Baptist did, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Okay, so now we have what's called the Magnificat. If you look in your ESV heading, it says Mary's Song of Praise, the Magnificat. And that comes from the Latin of verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. Magnificat is my soul. Like God is magnificent. Hmm. It means magnifying the Lord. Praising him. Praising him. Mm -hmm. But that's why this gets a name from the Latin translation of my soul magnifies. Magnificat. Okay. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. 
For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Yeah, it's a story we've heard at Christmas just really recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was as far as we're going to read today. Tomorrow we'll finish chapter one. Yep. Lots in Luke chapter one. You got to summarize that somehow. You guys can do that. There's lots there, but birth of John the Baptist, birth of Jesus foretold. Yeah. Predictions. Predictions of the birth and John the Baptist is born. We'll hear Zechariah's prophecy. Okay. Uh, We're now in Galatians. Galatians is a great book. It's one of the uh, small letters written by Paul, the um, and he is writing it to the, the churches in Galatia. The key uh, to this passage comes in chapter 3, which we'll get to tomorrow. Um, but he basically, he, these people had received the gospel in Galatia, but then they tried to start being justified by works. The gospel is you're justified by, by grace through faith, and you believe and are justified, and now they're trying to be justified by works. And he says this, verse 2, chapter 3, Let me ask you, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And begun the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So like you've begun by the Spirit, so why don't you continue with the Spirit? But instead they were bewitched, they were bamboozled, if you will. Yes, and, and have, if you if you turn in your Bible summaries book, at the back there are maps and in the maps of Paul's missionary journeys, you can see the region of Galatia. So Galatia is not a city, it's not a country, but it's a region, maybe like the Midwest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so you can see the region of Galatia, and there's several cities in there that we read about in Acts, Mm -hmm. like Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, those are all in Galatia. Those are in southern Galatia. Okay. And they're also uh, postulates whether Paul was even writing to churches in northern Galatia as well. Okay. But it is generally in that region where he's writing to. Yep. Yeah. Did all twice together with Acts. Right. It's you really can helpful. You see it in your maps in the book. Yep. Okay. Uh, Galatians chapter 1. Uh, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel, or preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again: If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? 
Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And there's a key right there, turning to a different gospel. Mm -hmm. What they heard, they believed initially, but then they turned to believe something else. And Galatians is going to go over time and time again how it's you saved by grace, not by works. And they turn to try to be justified by works. And Paul then talks about his own testimony about how he was called by God to preach. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Acts chapter 7, murdering Stephen. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Acts chapter 9, going off and trying to ravage the churches. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me on the road to Damascus, explained in Acts chapter 9, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, Peter yep. and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. The only, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. It was not man's gospel, it was God's gospel. It was God's idea to inter, uh, interject himself into Paul's life. Uh, chapter Ch- 2. Yeah, chapter 2. Chapter 2. Uh, what did I say? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, yeah, so even just the be- uh, summary for chapter 1, you know, it's just uh, they're turning to a different gospel, and Paul's gospel is not from, uh, from man, but from God. That and might, and Paul's explaining his testimony and reminding them how he got the gospel. Yep, and he still continues with his biographical uh, content here in in chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. And that was huge, right? He believed that he was preaching that you're justified by faith alone, not by works of the law. And circumcision was the great test case, whether you're going to submit yourself to the law or not. And Titus wasn't compelled to be circumcised, right? So it's not the law you need to keep. Yet, because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we might have in Christ Jesus, so that... They might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been trusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me, for mine to the Gentiles, 
And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So he's <laughs> saying his gospel was approved by the leaders in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And he's going to focus on preaching to the Gentiles. That's why he's on his missionary journey to the Gentile lands. Yep. Right. Okay, verse 11. <clears throat> but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But they came, when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their, that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Yeah, here's old habits die hard. Yeah. That's very and difficult. Habits of keeping the law. Yep. Right. Yep. And Peter even was persuaded, like, oh, I have to keep the law. You're right. Exactly right. But it's not. It's the law of Christ. It's not the Old Testament law you need to keep. Verse 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of a law, but through faith in Christ. So we also have believed in Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of a law, because by the works of a law, no one will be justified. And there's the core of the gospel. We're justified by faith. Verse 17, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners... Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Yep. And a good summary here would be just Paul's gospel is verified by the apostles in Jerusalem. And here it is. He just laid it out that we are justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by works of the law. That comes in verse 16. Yep. Kind of right there the core. And uh, we'll pick it up tomorrow, the great book of Galatians. We've seen Paul talk about his own testimony in the first two chapters. And then I'll get some doctrinal things in chapters three and four. Then some practical things in five and six. Okay. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.